the young adults are meeting tomorrow night. Everybody say tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. And they're meeting from 6.30 to 8.30. And the address is 40 Edge Hill, and it's at Ryan and Christie's place. All right? So Christie, just wave at everybody. So that's me. That's me. So Ryan Christie's place. So if you're like 18 to 28, that's our kind of our 10-year window we're looking at. You're 18 to 28, just show up there. All right? Just, you don't even need to call ahead. Just show up, uh, you know, bring 20, 30 friends with you. They would be thrilled. And uh, so that's tomorrow night. And also you can go to DS Young Adults on Facebook. Uh, Facebook for all those Facebook people out there. And you can find out more information there. All right. So speaking of Facebook, I, uh, I found this joke and I wanted to put it up on the screen for you this morning. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. This is Josh and Descartes. Dude, you didn't even have a Facebook account. Talk about not existing. And everybody's like, I, I don't get it. <laughs> Come on, help him out, Dan. Help him out. <laughs> Randy Descartes, the guy who said, I think, therefore I am, right? Uh, existentialism thinking. Oh, never mind. Oh, come on. That was funny. <laughs> of course you don't exist. You don't even have a Facebook. That's today's world, right? If you, you, don't, you don't have Facebook. You don't have, what's the other thing? Insta, Instagram. Now it's Instagram. You don't have Instagram. You're not a human being. You don't even, Snapchat, you're not a person. You, you have no identity, uh, you know. Anyway, I just, uh, it was funnier to me than it was, obviously, everybody else. Huh? Uh, philosophy humor, what can I say? I, I thought it was good. Dan, was that good? It's pretty good. Yeah, that's good, see? Man, help me, Lord. It's going to be a tough morning. Um, <laughs> we're... For those who are interested, we're, uh, I'm planning a missions trip to the Philippines late January. So I haven't worked out the exact date yet. Should have that in the next week or so. Uh, the Baileys are looking forward to having us there. Going to do some uh, uh, building and construction, uh, leadership uh, work, teaching at the fire school, all kinds of cool stuff going on. If you're interested in going, you say, man, I'd love to be there. I'd love to be in the Philippines. January is a good time to go. All right? Cold here, not cold there. Okay. Let me just make that clear. Cold here, not cold there. All right, can everybody say not cold? Not cold, okay. And maybe right now you've been enjoying a real warm uh, Indian summer. Are we allowed to say that, Tammy? Yes. Okay, we've been enjoying a really warm Indian summer, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we've been enjoying a, a really warm First Nation summer, right, uh, John? But, but I'll tell you, we, we've been really blessed, but come January, you know, you're going to forget all about that. And you're going to be saying, man, it's cold out. Think Philippines. Philippines, not cold, all right? Not cold. I have never worn a jacket in the Philippines, all right? In fact, I don't think I've ever worn a long sleeve shirt in the Philippines. Uh, it is warm. Gary, how warm is it? It is warm. I mean, uh, just ask Rod how warm it is. He'll tell you. It is warm, all right? So if you want warm... This is the place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of information that does not help sell the trip, okay? You know what I'm saying? You know, we, we want to encourage people to come, you know, not to run screaming out of the building, you know? Uh, but, yeah, Gary might have taken his shirt off a couple times while we were there, much to the horrification of the, the Baileys and everybody else, but it was a little warm, just a little warm. 
Gary went walking around with candy in his pockets all day, and he could hardly get any work done because all he's doing is just giving candy to the kids all the time. And they're all just coming along, Papa Boma, Papa Boy. He's just throwing candy out everywhere. And uh, did you ever do a day's work, Gary? Did, Ryan, did you do a day's work? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, ask Rod if Gary did a day's work. He'd probably give you the most honest answer. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Of course, Rod goes and he does the work of two men, so somebody can take the day off. That's the way it works. But anyway, so we're looking forward to that. That'll be a good, a good time. Well, this morning, I wanted to continue on about taking uh, the, our honor to the next level, and I want to do a second part to that. Last week, we talked about it was Thanksgiving, and it was a short message, but we had wonderful testimonies honoring God, right? And we gave Thanksgiving and honor to the Lord. And I mean, how appropriate on Thanksgiving to do that. Well, today, I just want to talk about honoring others. Everybody say that. Honoring others. others. Yeah, that's a huge one. Man, our world doesn't know, can I just say this? They don't know diddly squat about honor. It is a cultural uh, cancer, the lack of honor in our culture today. And we're going to tackle that cancer today. So, Father, just help me today as we talk about this. Uh, This is a huge topic, and Father, we need your grace to be able to uh, effectively deal with this topic, and so we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we talked about last week how Ken Gill's definition is my favorite definition of honor. Honor is love expressed in public. When we talk about and we speak about somebody in a positive way, we don't even have to be intentionally honoring them. But when we talk about something in a positive way, we bring honor to them when we do it publicly. We, we help draw a, f- a positive focus to that individual. So your intention may not even have been honoring, but if you speak uh, in a way which is positive about someone in a public a way, so it could be just three people standing around in a circle, or it could be at, when you're at the podium in a church service. It doesn't matter. When we do that, we are bringing honor to that person's life. All right? And... Uh, We need to, therefore, weigh our words carefully because they carry much weight. And honor is one of those things that God is focused on, and we're going to show you that uh, here this morning. So why honor? Why honor? Why should we do this uh, love expressed in public thing? And I've had people say, why should I give the kind of honor you're talking about to everyone? Uh, Why should I give that kind of honor to everyone? The kind of love that you've been describing here and the kind of honor. Why should I give that to everybody? You know, what if they don't deserve it? What if they haven't earned it? What if you have no foundation of relationship with the person? Or uh, what happens if they don't reciprocate it? Do I still have to give them honor? Do I still have to give them honor? The answer to that question is yes. Right now we have a situation where uh, the President of the United States is not very well liked by many people at least by people who have media control. They don't like him. And they speak an enormous amount of dishonoring things over him. And, you know, I think the thing that disturbed me the most, though, out of all of the dishonor is when uh, the Golden State Warriors wouldn't go to the White House. And, uh, you know, and and I'm just going to be honest with you. Why did that disappoint me? It disappointed me because even if you don't respect the man, you respect the office. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know there's people that don't respect the man, and I know that he's given people lots of reasons maybe why they shouldn't respect him or why they or excuses for not respecting him. But you have to respect the office that he holds. 
And the tradition of championship teams going to the White House has been long, long standing, and they accept that invitation because it's an honor to go to the office of the highest place in the nation and there uh, be greeted by the president. And even if you don't like that president, there's honor that is attributed to the office of the president. Does everybody understand what I'm saying this morning? And these kinds of honors are deeply rooted in culture. And when we sacrifice them at the, the altar of personal opinion or personal hurt or personal idealism, we end up sacrificing something very large. And we take a chunk out of our national soul and we step on it. And we as Christians need to be the ones who respect and honor. The Bible says, pray for those and honor those who are over you. And I can tell you that when those words were written in Scripture, their leaders were worse than Donald Trump or Justin Trudeau. Just to flip it around for you who are, you know, conservative in the room and maybe don't like Trudeau. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, this was the leadership that was allowed to give an edict to say that we want every child to and under murdered because they were intimidated by the birth of Jesus Christ. And every male boy was killed and slaughtered at the edict of a a king simply because he was feeling threatened. We're talking an evil time in the world. And what did Paul say? Paul said, pray for those people who are over us. Paul who was arrested, who was beaten, who was stoned, who was shipwrecked, who experienced all of those things for the gospel said, pray and honor them. Honor the king. Really? Would we be willing to do that if we got thrown in prison for our faith? Would we be able to call attention to our leaders and say, pray for them, honor them? That's the kind of honor we're talking about. The kind of honor that a person receives even when they don't deserve it. Even when they don't deserve it. Or haven't earned it. Or have no relationship. Or won't even give it back. My battery's down? The debit machine's working? Oh, okay. It's, this is something really important. For all those who are itching to give before the service, you can do it afterwards. We have fixed the problem. Sheldon has fixed the problem. Thank you, Sheldon. Hallelujah. He was pointing at something. What was it you were pointing at? Oh, his debit card. He's holding something up. I'm like, sign language? Sounds like? I don't know. But uh, anyway, it is, it is fixed. Hallelujah. All right. So let me move on here. Um, the reason we have to give this kind of honor is I'm going to explain to you from Scripture this morning. So uh, this is Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 to 5. And it says, When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and with what? And with what? Honor. honor. All right. Now, this is a pretty powerful passage. And, I'm going to t- and it explains for us the fundamental reason why we should honor all people. It's because God honors all people. We honor others because we choose to look at people the same way that God looks at them. As people worthy of honor. People worthy of honor. We need to train ourselves to look at humanity the same way that Jesus does. 
the same way that God does. Did Jesus die for everyone? Did he? Yeah. So if he died for everyone and he honored them all with his death, then we need to rethink the way we give honor. It doesn't mean everybody will receive it, just like not everybody will receive Jesus' love. But he still died for them all, right? All right, so. But I want to take this even a little step further and look at this passage in more detail. I just read it to you from uh, the uh, NIV, but now I want to read it to you from the New American Standard Version. I want to focus in on a portion of it from the New American Standard Version. And the real power of this passage comes alive here if we look at it in this. What is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than what? A little lower than what? And you have crowned him with glory and majesty or honor. Made him a little lower than God. That's a very fascinating passage of Scripture. And it's translated in, in many translations. It's translated angels. And in, but in the, the New American Standard translation and in many other uh, older translations, it's translated as God. And, and you have to ask yourself, why the discrepancy? Well, the, the Hebrew word that they translate, angels in some, and, uh, and God in others, is the word Elohim. And the word Elohim is the main word that is used for God in the, in the Old Testament. It's Elohim. And uh, it's the most common name for God. It's the plural name for God, which kind of sometimes throws, uh, you know, uh, some people off, especially those who are, you know, don't believe in the Trinity, but uh, as opposed to the singular name, which is El. Elohim is plural, El is singular, and El is the one that's used in conjunction with El Shaddai or El, uh, you know, Rafe or the, you know, the other names for compound names of God. But with the most common name used in the Bible is Elohim. And so if you are to be true to the translation of the scripture, then it really is saying, for he has made man a little lower than God. Not than the angels, than God. And you see, this is what the verse is actually saying. This is what it's really telling us. And it's also the one translation that's most consistent with the rest of Scripture. Because even in Hebrews, it says, it even tells us, are not all angels ministering saints, uh, uh, ministering spirits, I should say, sent to serve who? The saints of God. So the Scripture tells us, we're not below the angels. The angels are sent to serve the redeemed of the Lord. The angels are not those that God made and said, I will fashion man in my image. We were created in the image of God. And the angels have been sent to minister to us and for us, to, to work for us, to, to help us in the ministry and the work that we have for the Lord. So, so you have to understand, even to be consistent with the rest of Scripture, it should say God and not be translated angels. So why did people translate it angels? Because the overwhelming truth is that it's hard for us to accept how incredibly high a view God has of humanity. That people who walk around carrying sin, even Bible translators who, who, uh, who have you know, the, the responsibility of trying to translate words into the language of the people in which they're translating it, many of them have a difficult time grasping the magnitude of how much God loves his people and how, uh, what kind of a place of honor God has given humanity. It's, it's sometimes is mind-blowing. It's easier to say, well, he's made man a little lower than the angels than to, to translate that as it was written, he's made a little lower than God. 
Because the overwhelming truth is that it's, 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 it's incredible how God has placed so much of himself in us. God made you and me in his image. Male and female, he created them. And he said, go forth, multiply, subdue the earth. In other words, take charge of the earth. Rule over it. It's yours to serve you. But from the fall forward, man, has, our, we've, we've started looking at our feet and we started looking uh, at the ground rather than looking at him and thinking that, that, you know, our identification is in this world rather than our identification being in glory. And our identity comes from God. We were made in his image. And so the, the, the crux of the matter in this is that all people are made in God's image. Praise the Lord. The bottom line is, we should view people as God views them. Since man is made in the image of the Almighty, just below God himself, we should honor one another as God honors his creation. The people he made in his image, sent his angels to serve, and whom he sent his son to redeem. That's how we're supposed to live our lives. And can I tell you that almost every conflict in the body of Christ is the result of a lack of honor. You're allowed to have a difference of opinion with somebody in the body of Christ, but you're not allowed to dishonor them. That's forbidden. Disagreeing, that's allowed, but you've got to disagree and still honor. So that kind of strokes out name-calling, gone. Speaking condescendingly, gone. Right? Embarrassing people in public, gone. That's a tough one, especially when you're, you know, slightly sarcastic like I can be. Uh, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. The things that we're not permitted to do because we have a mandate to honor one another. That's been given to us by God. And the lack of honor in our culture has caused such a, a, a terrible, terrible, terrible stigma in our, in our culture today. Where... It's, it's sad. It really is sad. I can't even hardly put it into words how negative a problem this has become in our, in our culture today. And it is, though, resulted in, in a number of good books being written about honor, people finally starting to call out the honor message. And if you haven't read Culture of Honor by Danny Silk yet, wow, it's a fantastic book. One of those few books that made me throw it across the room the first time I read it. And then I believe it is for sale in the bookstore, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you need to get a hold of it and read it. It's phenomenal. Uh, absolutely phenomenal book. And, and, and it helps us to understand how important it is to honor one another and why we're called to honor one another. And there seems to be a deep desire to see this integration of honor in our culture again, and it must start with the church. If we don't walk in it, how can we expect the world to walk in? I'm over at Ryan's yesterday, and I was doing some wiring, and Ava was watching Little House on the Prairie. And the, the audio wasn't up really loud enough for me to understand exactly what was happening, but apparently they were arguing the church was divided right down the middle uh, over a, a church bell. Was that, was that what it was, Ryan? You weren't paying attention either. Okay. So it was over a church bell. So 
So here we are wiring. If your plugs don't work, then it was because I was distracted by, you know, uh, <laughs> watching Little House of Prayer. But anyway, they were, they were fighting over the church bell and, and whether they should spend the money on putting one up and all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, as far as I could make out. And anyhow, uh, what ended up happening is you've got people yelling at each other. And it struck me as an incredible uh, little picture of what happens in the body of Christ as a whole where we have denomination yelling at denomination and church uh, conflicting with church and everything else, and yet we're all standing up on a Sunday and saying, we love the Lord. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I don't like Baptists, but I love you, Jesus. I don't like Presbyterians, but I love you, Jesus. Can't stand Catholics, but I love you, Jesus. Oh, those united people. Oh, but I love Jesus. Oh, come on. Really? And as I watched them red-faced yelling at each other, and it was kind of humorous because the church building had maybe 20 seats in it, right? Uh, I think it's also, in, 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 does it not double as a schoolhouse? Yeah, so, so you get a picture of how small it is if you've ever seen an episode of Little House in the Prairie. I mean, you might be able to sit 20 people in there. And so here's, you know, literally 10 on one side and 10 on the other side. Their faces are just right as they're yelling at each other. Just, just going right at each other and I couldn't hear what they, because we had the volume turned down, but it was pretty funny. And, uh, and I thought, man, oh man, does that ever look familiar? Does that ever look familiar? <laughs> Danny Silk says, honor has fallen on hard times in our culture. Independence is worshiped instead. We focus on our private relationships with God and have a hard time recognizing spiritual authority and considering others as more important than ourselves. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Bill Johnson said it simply. <laughs> Bill Johnson did not say that. Wow, what is that? I don't think that's on my side here, is it? Yeah, it's not me. It's something to do with the projector. Anyway. Now I can't see what I'm doing. Okay. Anyway, I'll tell you what Bill Johnson says. <laughs> Bill Johnson says this. He said that uh, every person you encounter is one that Christ has honored in his life and his death and his resurrection. Now think about that for a minute. Every person you've honored, that you see, every person you meet, every person you meet. I was at uh, uh, Starbucks this week and talking to my friend Mickey there, you know, a little Irish boxer. If you haven't met Mickey, he's an interesting fellow. Spent a couple years working at Mother Teresa's Mission of Mercy in, in India, in Calcutta. And, uh, and he's a little rough around the edges, to say the least. Uh, but Mickey uh, has uh, some interesting perspectives. And so we, we're sitting there, and this lovely uh, uh, young lady comes in uh, with her, her uh, worker. And this young lady, she has Down syndrome. And she sits down at the table beside us. And so we're talking with her. And, and uh, so then I uh, had a nice little chat. And, so then when she was getting up to leave, she's like, bye, see you later, guys. We're like, see ya. 
And, uh, and I said, behave. And Mickey said, no, don't behave. Don't listen to him. You know, and that's the kind of conversation. And so uh, they left. And then uh, Mickey looked at me and he said, uh, do you know what the Irish, they have a, they have a word for people who are born uh, with Downs or with some other kind of, of uh, you know, um, issue that is, is in their life. And he said, you know what they call them? And, he, and I said, no. And he said it to me in, in, in Gaelic. And I said, what does that mean? He said, gift of God. gift of God. You know, we, we have this tendency in our culture to measure the value of life by only what people can give back to us. Iceland has just passed a, or is in the throes of passing uh, legislation to test all pregnancies, and if the, uh, the test comes back when they're pregnant that the child is down, they abort. As though that child has no value. Are you hearing me this morning? Value is not based on what a person can give. Are you hearing me this morning? Every person you encounter has value. Every person you encounter is a life that Jesus Christ honored with his own life and death and resurrection. Every single one. You know, people know that Hitler exterminated six million Jews. What people don't realize is that the Jews were not the first people that Hitler exterminated. The first people that he exterminated were the infirmed and the mentally ill and the mentally handicapped. And he brought them out of homes and out of institutions and exterminated them. Now, what are we doing as a culture? in the name of progress and in the name of, of higher understanding, of greater levels of evolution, we're doing the same thing. We're no better than Hitler when we step down that road. Are you hearing me this morning? This is practical rubber meets the road Christianity we're talking about here. This is where we need to stand up and say, not on my watch, not in Canada. Are you hearing me this morning? Sorry, that wasn't in my notes. I just, that's all for free this morning. And we're running out of time. Yes, you're right. You're right, man. You're right. Okay, so how do we do this? How do we take our honor to that kind of a level? Well, I want to read to you a, a quote from Bill Johnson and uh, an and he, he said this in the foreword of Danny Silk's book. He said, Many people live in atmospheres void of honor and desperately seeking, seek our help in creating such a culture. Pastors often ask us uh, at Bethel to come and teach their church and their staff how to show honor. The need is real and the desire is genuine. But this culture is never built around what I need. It is built around what I can give. Can I say that again? It's never built around what I need. It is built around what I can give. And if I don't learn to give honor to those who deserve it the least, it will continue to, I will continue to live in an environment without honor myself. Sorry, just put a little there. Yeah, sorry, I got that. Okay. <clears throat> so therefore, our honor must never be 
on what honor should be coming our way, but our focus should be on the honor that I'm being called by God to give to all. Should never be on what honors are coming my way. What honors should be coming my way? It should always be on what I have an opportunity to give away today. I went up to see Glenn this week and walked into the room and Jim was there with him when I got there. And it blessed my heart to see Jim in uh, visiting Glenn as well. And I know that he goes up probably even more often than I do and, and sees Glenn. And, and uh, so Jim and I got to spend a little time loving on Glenn and just reminding him of how much he's impacted us and impacted our lives and impacted our homes and impacted our kids and just impacted our church and our culture and everything else. And, and to see, you know, Glenn's uh, face light up and he was, seemed to be much better uh, condition and uh, this week than he was uh, two weeks ago when I was there. But, um, you know, the reality is that that opportunity to just go and to love on him and to honor him, that's, that's all I go to do now. I'm not expecting anything from Glenn. I'm not expecting him to do anything for me, give anything to me, say anything that, that even uh, I need for comfort or strength. My job is to go and to honor him. It's my entire focus, as I know it's Jim's. Jim just couldn't stop speaking about how much Glenn had, had literally changed the course of not himself only, but his family. And that kind of honor is what is a culture needs to be built on. We don't take the elderly and the infirmed and, 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 and lock them away and, and with no regard for them or, or you know, take them and, and say, well, now that they're, they're not able to contribute anymore, maybe they should uh, be euthanized. Oh, oh. No, a thousand times no. We honor them for what they have invested and demonstrated to us in love. We honor them because they are created in the image of God. We honor them because they're valuable to Him. And the basic fundamental foundation of Christendom is that everybody has value. And we are opposed to anything that seeks to take the value out of humanity. We value every life. I was going to tell the story about Esther this morning, because it's just a great, wonderful story how, you know, uh, God turns it around on Haman and, you know, the gallows that he had made for, for uh, Mordecai ended up being used for himself and, it's a great story. If you ever want to see what happens when you walk in dishonor and you plot dishonor for somebody, how that whole thing can get twisted around and, you know, jokes on you, pal, then that is the story you want to read. And uh, just go to the book of Esther and read it. Fantastic story. I don't have time to go through all that this morning. But um, I do have the opportunity to tell you, though, um, that that story was summed up by Mark Twain. All right. And uh, here's what Mark Twain said. He said, it's better to deserve honors and not have them to, than to have them and not deserve them. <laughs> and I think Mark Twain just nails it through the, you know, right through the uprights as he usually does. It's better to deserve honors and not have them than to have them and not deserve them because there's a hollowness to having being honored when you did not deserve it. And you all, you know it, you know you're standing there and someone's saying something and it really wasn't true or, or whatever, and part of you knows there's this, there's this war inside you because you feel like you should stand up and say, no, 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 that's not true, that didn't happen to me. But, uh, you know, that is not a good place to be in. 
But here's the thing. The person beside you deserves the honor that you can give them simply for being the creation of God. And we start there. So, why do we need a culture of honor in our world today? Danny Silk said, accurately acknowledging who people are will position us to give them what they deserve and to receive the gift of who they are in our lives. We need a culture of honor because in honoring others, we give them an opportunity to make the impact in our life that God has aligned them to make. God has aligned you with people in this house, with people in your lives, with relatives and family members and with uh, other, uh, you know, Christians and believers. And he's aligned you with them so that you can receive the gift that they are into your life. And when you don't honor them, you don't provide opportunity for them to give you what they have to give. And you end up less of a being because you didn't receive the gift that they are. Am I making any sense to anybody? Honor is one of the most vital core values for creating a safe place where people can be free. Honor protects the value that people have for those that are different than they are. Honor is central to an apostolic culture because the fivefold pattern of ministry of apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists is built around honor, functioning back and forth within those gifts. Without honor, the, thing, the wheels fall off the cart. And honor makes room for every gift to be used around uh, the cross. Free people cannot live together without honor. And conversely, honor can only be used successfully amongst powerful people. If you've never heard of Danny Silk's teaching on powerful people, uh, and he talks about what it means to be a powerful person, you, you, uh, you may not quite understand what he's getting at here, but he's just saying a person who knows who they are and who is comfortable in who God made them to be is a powerful person. And, and when you're a powerful person, then you do not need to try and control everybody else around you because you already know who you are. So he said, uh, honor can only be used uh, successfully amongst powerful people who have a true sense uh, of their personal responsibility in preserving the freedom around them. So when you're healthy and you're whole, you can accept the responsibility of, of helping everybody else around you into their calling and their election as well. It's a powerful thing. It's a wonderful thing when we get there. I, maybe I'll stop there. I think I'm, we're running out of time. I, yeah. Let me just finish, like, go where maybe nobody's ever willing to go. There's a lot of talk in the body of Christ about what's acceptable for a Christian to do and what's not acceptable for a Christian to do. I'm just going to get real practical here. So for some people, let's pick one that's really common in the Bible. In New Testament times, it was eating meat sacrificed to idols. Okay, so in the New Testament times, uh, you know, Paul, being a, a guy who was a mature believer in Christ, knew that if meat was sacrificed to an idol uh, or an animal sacrificed to an idol, that there was nothing wrong with the meat. It's just a cow, Right? So he would, they would take that after it was sacrificed, then they, someone would take it and sell it on the market. But if a person knew it had been sacrificed to an idol, many people had a hard time with, with that, right? And so Paul said, you know, um, if, if my liberty, though, in eating that meat is going to cause another brother deep offense, then he said, I won't bother to do it. Well, what's modern-day meat? Let's pick one. Alcohol, maybe? 
The Bible's filled with stories of people drinking wine. And, and if you want to try and make a biblical case that drinking alcohol is a sin, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to do so. Being drunk is a sin, obviously. So is gluttony. It doesn't make food wrong. It just makes eating too much of it wrong. Are you hearing me? But Paul said, though, you know, you know he, and he did talk about drink as well in the same context. So he, he knew that there was nothing wrong with it, that it wasn't hurting him as long as he was able to do it in moderation, right? But here's the kicker that I really find very interesting. Paul said, uh, you know, if, if you are, 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 you know, being someone who's strong in your faith, um, are able to have that drink, but another brother who's weaker in the faith can't handle it, do not use your freedom as an opportunity to condemn your brother. In other words, don't go on a crusade to liberate people from the confines of their inability to have a drink. Are you hearing me? We could say the same thing for many other things. I tell people all the time, you know, smoking won't send you to hell, it just makes you smell like you've already been there. You know, but... 50 years ago, if you, if you smoked, you know, people looked at you like you're on your way to hell. How ridiculous. But, you know, but, all, but just because we now know that that's not true doesn't mean that anybody who smokes should go around trying to convince everybody else to smoke. Well, of course not. Well, then it's the same thing with alcohol. It's the same thing with food. You know that food's not a problem, but gluttony is. So don't encourage people to, you know, pony up to the buffet and sit there and eat six plates. Lead by example. Lead by, now I could get really, you know, touch, step on a lot of toes here this morning, but that's not my purpose in it. My purpose is that when we live our lives in such a way that we're not being a negative influence on others, we are honoring them. When we're not dragging them down with eating too much or alcohol or smoking or any other thing that we may have said there's no problem with. And we may have a, a clear conscience in that activity. But if you're dragging other people down who maybe don't have the ability to do that, you are condemning them through your actions. And you need to be careful not to do that to people. Are you hearing me? But, but we're the ones that are, are mature. We're the ones that are free. Yes, that's true. But it's not a license. Paul says, in, in fact, Paul said, both of you, those who are weak, those who are strong, he said, you should respect one another. And neither should condemn the other. Whew. I mean, this is, this is the kind of maturity that's hard to walk in in the body of Christ. You know, if, if you're a, a teetotaler sitting down with somebody beside you, you know, was that, that was at a restaurant yesterday, and you saw them have a, a beer. And their hands are raised in worship, and for you to look over and go, oh, 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 how can they be worshiping God? Well, the same way you are. Two hands raised in the air, loving God. It, it, and, and for you, the person who maybe had that beer looking over at the teetotaler and said, well, they just need to get over it. Both are equally wrong attitudes in the body of Christ. There's no honor in those attitudes. The, the one doesn't need to get over it, and the other one doesn't need to get healed from it. You know, unless, of course, they're drinking too much, then they need to get healed from it. Just like the 400-pounder needs to get healed from ponying up to the buffet. You know, and you can condemn somebody for drinking, but, you know, it's hard to talk from the pulpit and actually speak to somebody who's 200 pounds overweight and have them not get offended. Boys, pastor ever getting off the notes today? Yes, he is. 
Yes, he is. Just trying to be real with you. Can we do that this morning? And, and we need to honor all people. Skinny, overweight, those who have a drinking problem, those who'd never touch it, those who are tall, those who are short, those who wear 1970s clothes, and those who dress nice. You know? <laughs> we, 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 need to have it, we need to have it in our heart where we honor them all. Right. Are you hearing me? Where we can look past the cuffs on that shirt and... <laughs> And we can just see Tammy for who she is, right? Hallelujah. <laughs> this is what the body of Christ is built on. And in our liberty sometimes, we, we offend a lot of people. We need to work really hard not to do that. We work, need to work really hard not to do that. Sometimes that, that means not even exercising your freedom. Well, then I'd be a hypocrite. No, 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 you're not. It's the opposite. Hypocrisy is to stand in the pulpit and condemn something that you secretly do. That's hypocrisy. But to withhold from doing something that you see, see as all right for the sake of somebody else is the absolute opposite. It's called deference. I'm deferring to somebody else. And deference is a kingdom principle of honor. The kingdom is built on deference. We live by deference. We grow healthy by deferring to one another and loving on one another and honoring one another. We build the kingdom of God when we walk in deference to one another. It's powerful stuff. And I'm way past my time, 15 minutes past my time this morning. Help me, Jesus. Stand together with me this morning. Let me just summarize with this verse in Scripture. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, Paul talking about honoring one another. He said, you, my brothers, were called to be free. You were called to be free. You were called not to be hung up on a whole mess of stuff that doesn't really matter. It's not kingdom stuff. But listen, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve and honor one another with love. Wow. Potent stuff. Potent stuff. That's how we operate in the body of Christ. We've got to start honoring one another. What we should be doing is just trying to encourage one another to get closer to Jesus. That's it. Just encouraging one another to get closer to Jesus. And one of the ways you can encourage people, I'm going to give you a real practical one. Right here, just right off the bat. Just real practical. This morning at 10 o'clock, there was half the people here that are here right now. Just saying. Literally half the people that are here right now. You, I know you know, we've been starting at 10 o'clock for quite some time now. Uh, <laughs> for a few years, we have been starting at 10 o'clock. And, and we, we always start at 10 o'clock, and we used to have a problem where the worship team would wait for you to get here. And they're not doing that anymore. I think they were started at 10.01 this morning, if I'm not mistaken. I was checking my watch. So, so here's the thing. How many just believe everything I just said about honor? So now, do you want to honor those who come here and you guys were here at what time this morning uh, practicing? Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock they were here. Eight. Everybody say eight. Eight. They were here at eight o'clock. Then are you hearing me this morning? Honor these beautiful people by being here on time. Are you hearing me? It's a simple little thing. Don't
don't just walk out here and say, oh, that was a great message. We need to honor one another. You can honor just, you can start with your brothers and sisters who lead the worship and you can actually be here on time. And Rod Moorcroft said, amen. You know, we have, we have a pre-service prayer time you could come to at 9 o'clock down the other end of the building. You could come here for 9.30 and you could help those in the cafe or you could work and serve. Visitors who come. Often visitors come on time. I've noticed that about visitors. And then they walk in here and there's half the people that are here when we actually get started. Because some of you have the attitude that, well, it doesn't really start till I get there. <laughs> it doesn't really start till I'm there. No, it started before you got here. Because I have a news flash for you. It's not just all about you. I know, it's shocking, Joe. It's totally shocking. Uh, so here's my word to you this morning as, a, as just a parting little exercise. Next week, what time does church start next week? And does it start at 10 o'clock for everybody? Yes. yes. So get out of bed a little earlier. Pretend you're going to be here for 9. Maybe then you'd make it by 10, you know? <laughs> Uh, but whatever, if, if worship team and all these other people can get here at 9 o'clock and 8 o'clock, you can come and start and honor their investment by being here on time. It's a simple thing. And pastor's heart will be so happy. He'll just have me just jumping for joy. It'll be so good. It'll be so good. You know, I have uh, been pastoring for 30 uh, some years and I have never been late for church. Yes, almost once we didn't change our clocks. And the only reason we weren't late is because we come an hour early anyway. <laughs> that day was only five minutes early, but we're usually here an hour early. Are you hearing me? Let's honor one another by starting on time. Being here on time is a simple way to honor one another. You can start there. Lots more big stuff you can do as we get down the road, but you can start there and build from there and great things can happen. Father... I know this is a practical message, and some people probably are mad at me right now. Uh, Father, uh, I didn't point out how messy their hair was or anything like that. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't, you know, focus on any individuals who came late so everybody can dial it back and relax. But Father, we need to be practical about this stuff. If honor is going to work, we need to do it. And we need to find ways to do it. We need to find ways to honor one another. Help us to do it, Lord. We all make mistakes. We all have days when we're not up to our best. And, and Father, if we walk in a culture of honor, people will have grace for us on that as well. But Father, help us to daily say, Lord, how do I honor that person that I'm walking with in life? Because Father, they're made in your image and they deserve love and honor from me. And Father, I ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing day today. Praise the Lord.